welcome to Speaking of College. Welcome, it's your source for reliable knowledge. Oh yeah, we got Dr. P as your host. As your host, we gon' tell you what you need to know. Need to know. Need to know. The more you know, the more you grow. The more you grow. The more you know, the more you grow. Grow. Get more knowledge. Knowledge. Welcome to Speaking of College. Speaking of College. Yeah. Welcome to Speaking of College, your source for reliable answers to college-related questions. I'm your host, Amelia Parnell, and today's episode is about college student development. As several of the guests I've had so far have confirmed, one of the most special things about a college experience is that for many students, it will provide opportunities to develop in very personal ways. Whether it be related to aspects of one's identity, such as race, ethnicity, or sexual orientation, or related to one's political views, personal expression, or religious identity, the college experience will often provide moments that can nudge you to engage in self-reflection and exploration. This is a timely topic, and I had a great conversation with Dr. Daryl Holloman about how college can impact students' development. During the break, I'll tell you about one of the most important things college students can do to improve their performance, and I'll close the episode with a question about the requirements for pursuing a four-year degree. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to Speaking of College your source for reliable answers to college-related questions. I'm your host, Amelia Parnell, and today's episode is about college student development. Those who've had a college experience, whether it was a single class or finishing a degree, can probably admit that the college environment provides countless new experiences. As a result, many students might feel as though several types of self-exploration and growth are occurring at the same time. As I thought more about this topic, I realized that's a lot to discuss, and I'm excited to talk with Dr. Daryl Holloman today. Daryl is Vice President for Student Affairs at Spelman College, where he is responsible for supporting a student life agenda that promotes the growth and development and academic success of every Spelman student. He oversees program development, financial management, and personnel administration for all student development functions, including the Office of the Dean of Students, Housing and Residence Life, Counseling Services and Student Access Center, Student Health Services and Campus Wellness, Student Life and Engagement, and Student Judicial Processes. Prior to Spelman, Daryl worked as the Associate Vice President for Student Affairs and Dean of Students at Georgia State University, Assistant Vice President for Student Life and Assistant Professor at Columbus State University, and Associate Dean of Students and Director of the Paul Robeson Campus Center at Rutgers University, Newark. He's also served as a full-time faculty member at the University of Arkansas, Little Rock. Daryl has presented more than 80 research papers at conferences including the Association for the Study of Higher Education, the American Educational Research Association, the Association of College Unions International, and the National Academic Advising Association, to name a few. Dr. Holloman's research agenda examines how cultural identities and cultural distinctions shape college experiences, and he's authored several articles and book chapters. Daryl is an Atlanta native and earned his three degrees from Georgia State University, which are a doctorate in educational policy studies, a master's degree in human resource development, and a bachelor's degree in English with a concentration in creative writing. So as I think about all of Daryl's experience in working with college students, I know we're going to have a great conversation. Daryl, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Amelia. I'm glad to be here. This is very exciting. I'm so glad to have you. And I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. So uh, as customary with all my guests, I invite everybody to wear a T-shirt. And you have on Spelman College. I, I assume it's obvious because you work there. Tell me more about that and your time there. Well, I've been at Spelman for, uh, this is my third year uh, being at Spelman. Uh, I proudly uh, like to tell people I am the first man to serve in the role as Vice President for Student Affairs. Uh, I was the first African-American to be the associate vice president, dean of students at Georgia State University. And so I, I really like the idea of being first. I love working at Spelman. It is a collective of some of the most wonderful and gracious black women that you would ever want to meet. And we just have some rock stars, just superstars. I mean, from Ross Brewer, who is the CEO uh, and chief operating officer at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. To most recently, um, we have the uh, newly elected uh, superintendent of Atlanta Public Schools is also a Spelman alumna. So it's just a full gamut of intellectual women, Black women. So you mentioned some firsts. Uh, why is it so um, noteworthy that you are the first man at Spelman? Tell us more about Spelman College for those of us who don't know about the school and its history. 
Absolutely. Spelman College has been in existence for over 130 um, years, 139 years, actually. And it started in a basement church. Uh, it's not a religious affiliated school, although it does have uh, strong connections to the uh, Black church. Um, Spelman College is located probably about maybe 10 miles away from downtown Atlanta. So we're really in the midst of hot Atlanta. We have 2,100 students, uh, 1,400 of them live on campus. So the majority of our students are on-campus residents. And our students come from all over the country and all over the world. And our motto is a choice to change the world, which is exactly what we prepare our students to be able to do. Uh, it is considered a HBCU, which is a historically black college and university. Uh, I think there are over 100 that are in the country. Uh, I am proud to say, as first, for about the last 10 or so years, Spelman has been the number one HBCU uh, by U.S. New, uh, US News. <laughs> careful, Daryl. <laughs> Be careful, there. Now, you know I'm a FAMU alum. Now. I, 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 I get that. I was that, ready to I'm go there saying, with you. We, the, 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 the data speaks for itself. We're number one. I'm so happy to have you, Daryl. <laughs> we'll talk about that. I'm only teasing. I have love for every HBCU and every college, honestly. Um, but yeah, so I want to start with that. I'm wearing uh, a T-shirt that has a picture of a, um, a dragon on it. I think that's what they call it. It's the University of Alabama at Birmingham Blazers. And I picked this T-shirt. I might have worn it in a previous episode, but I like this T-shirt for so many reasons. It reminds me of when I was a first-year college student. And my really good friend in high school at the time uh, had just got a basketball scholarship to the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And this was before email and before cell phones. And the only way we could really communicate was like prepaid phone cards. And so I remember uh, her telling me what it was like in Birmingham and I was telling her what it was like in Tallahassee at FAMU. And so just reminiscing a little bit, that leads into my first question for you, which is that uh, in, the, in the bio that I just read, you got all of your degrees from Georgia State, but there was a decision at some point for you to start your college journey there. So as you think back to that period and that moment, what were some of the factors that influenced your decision to go to Georgia State? Absolutely. I mean, like many people in, in uh, the country, I was a first-generation college student. So a first-generation college student is someone that uh, is the first in their family to go to college. My mom and dad did not attend college. My mom was actually a domestic in the hotels. Uh, my dad was a fireman. And uh, I initially, out of high school, Amelia, I, I, my plan had been to go to Morehouse. And Morehouse was literally, uh, my grandfather lived across the street from the ca actual campus. And we probably lived at that time about five or six blocks down the street from Morehouse. And I, I had applied, I did my FAFSA form. Um, I really didn't understand the FAFSA form. I didn't, I didn't, I had to do it on my own. My dad and my mom didn't help. I can remember my dad coming over and giving me like some of his information, but nobody helped me do the form. And I probably did it incorrectly, didn't get enough money. And so Morehouse at that time was about $10,000. I didn't have $10 in my wallet. Yeah. And so when I realized I couldn't afford to go to Morehouse or UGA, because I also got accepted in the uh, University of Georgia, when I realized that, I just, I was so despondent. I just woke up one morning, went down to the recruiting station, and I enlisted in the United States Navy. And oh, wow. I was so scared to tell my mom that I had enlisted in the Navy. I remember going down and I had to call her to ask her for my social security number because I didn't know what it was. And she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I just needed for something. And I enlisted in the military and I was so fearful then I told the recruiter, can you please come home and tell my mom that I just joined the, <laughs> the military? Because <laughs> I just didn't know anything yeah. about college. So when I get out of, out of the Navy, I spent four years in the Navy. When I get out, I had planned to go to, again, Morehouse and UGA. Uh, but my, my BA benefits didn't come through in enough time. So I was like, oh, my goodness. So I was like, I'm going to go to Georgia State uh, for one semester, and then I'm going to transfer, Right. I got to Georgia State and I loved it so much. Georgia State is, I had, I'm from Atlanta. I'd always walked past Georgia State and it, uh, so I was always familiar with it. It was always a school that I knew, but when I got there, I started getting involved. I started joining student organizations and I just, it, I just became like the biggest fan club of Georgia State. I love it. It's my alma mater. 
that is an awesome story. Daryl, I've known you for years, and I didn't know that part either. I knew you were in the military, but I didn't know that was the path to Georgia State. So there's so much in that story that reminds me of uh, really the purpose of this this whole show, um, this episode of the show. And when I pick college student development, I hear in your reflections lots of junctures where you have to make a decision, and also lots of moments when you have to figure out where you want to go next in your path, you know, through life. Uh, there's one single moment for me that made me think about this episode and actually do it, and it was the moment when I got my college ID for the first time and I saw my picture next to the university's name and it was the Rattler card and I was like "Ooh, this is official like I'm no longer like a, a high school student which was fine I love my high school experience but that was the first time that I started to see myself as a college student have a college identity so this is going to lead into my first set of questions for the first half of the show the first of which is I think for many people it's obvious that college is different from high school and some of the ways most people would probably name first are that the cost is there or the way that the classes are delivered are very different from high school but what are some other additional less obvious ways that the college experience is very different from high school well I think you know outside of just the regular you know you you now become an autonomous adult right and I started using the term, I used to say, you know, when I talk to parents at new student orientation, I say, you know, your child is an adult or what, but now I start saying emerging adult, because honestly, that's what you're doing. Like you are, you are becoming a, a, a self-sufficient adult. And so outside of just having to get up on your own, not having your parents to wake you up, what it, what college does is it will absolutely transform your mind. Because not only are you going to be exposed to people that you probably, most of us come from still very monolithic environments, right? Whether you're from a small town or a big city, like it surprises me in Atlanta. I was talking to one of my nieces the other day and she grew up in Atlanta. She's 24. She's never been to Piedmont Park, right? That's like the biggest, most popular park in Atlanta. So going to college starts to introduce you to things that you probably didn't experience in your home. And not only people, but ideas. So I can remember I took a philosophy class and my professor said, there is no God. Mm. And that shook me to my core. Like everything I knew was about God and Jesus and church. And so to hear somebody actually articulate that just, just really freaked me out for a minute, right? And, um, but it gave me opportunity to really begin to process what that meant. And it just changed my perspective about religion and how I looked at religion. Didn't make me less religious, Mm -hmm. It actually broadened my religious perspective. So just be prepared to be introduced to people and things and ideas that you probably have not ever experienced before. That's what I think college does. Yeah, that's awesome. So in in prior years, I remember having some opportunities to teach college, uh, college student development theory. And Arnett was that researcher that talks about emerging adulthood. And I didn't remember that until just now when you mentioned it, but I absolutely agree 100%. I think this, uh, this big distinction between college and high school is this idea that you get to form your own thoughts. And I think in some ways in, in the high school environment, students could probably challenge a professor or a teacher who says something they don't agree with, but for the most part, it's very one way. College was my first experience, like yours, to hear uh, someone say something that was completely off to me. Like there was a, um, a professor who taught a black psychology class and he had me thinking about every single movie with a black lens in a way that, I mean, it was a whole developmental experience yeah, Absolutely. I then had a whole list of movies that I would no longer watch and then ones that I had to watch and it was it was a whole transformational experience. Uh, which leads me to my, my next uh, question I want us to discuss. If you think about the amount of research that's out there on college students, especially those that are traditionally aged, kind of how we're talking about, there are lots of developmental moments. Some of it will be your religious identity, some of it your political identity, your um, your sexual identity, your gender identity, a lot of things. Um, what are some ways that the college experience actually helps a student figure out those types of development? What are some things about the college experience that help with that? So I'll give you a share a very vulnerable and personal story okay. for me. So I was, you know, an undergrad in college. Uh, I am, uh, at that time, I wasn't openly gay, but I'm, I'm gay. And I am um, joining all these activities, right? So I pledge a fraternity. I become the president of new student orientation. I'm in the student government association. Like I'm, I'm on the student newspaper, one of the lead writers on that. And what I recognize now was there was an element of me that was trying to say, look, I'm normal, just like everybody else, 
right? That, that hey, look at me doing all this and, and deflecting away from my sexual orientation and my sexual identity. And so one day, uh, and I was a student assistant, I worked in the dean of students office, and my good girlfriend, who was an AKA, uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha, she said, we were just talking, and she said, I don't know why everybody thinks you're gay. I am 21 years old, and I burst out in tears. And I just start crying because I'm like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be accepted. I'm trying to fit in. And y'all still talking about me behind my back. And so that night I went home and this is a very true story. I went home, I looked in the mirror and I said three times to myself, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay. And it was my way of something that I've been wanting to write about this. And I just haven't had the space mm -hmm. of affirming my identity right? In the way that I think sometimes um, people of color who are in the LGBTQIA community can't necessarily come out because sometimes for us coming out means that you're going to just turn your back on your religion, turn your back on your family, turn your back on everything, your fraternity, right? And affirming my identity led me to a journey of just accepting who I was as a person, right? all of the good things that I had to offer, all of the bad things that I had to offer. And it just became a dimension of who I was and not necessarily totally who I was, right? And so I don't struggle with the question as whether you're a gay black man or a black man that's gay. I'm just Daryl. And right now I have two twin boys with my husband. I'm just a daddy right now. That's my <laughs> main frame. But college really allowed me the space to be able to accept who I was on my own terms. And that's what I really appreciate. That's one of the most, one of the moments of all of the things I did in undergrad, that moment stands out for me the most. Daryl, well, first off, thank you for sharing the very personal story. Um, I wrote those words down, accepting who you are in your own terms, uh, the process of getting there, you know, how, how someone would be able to even determine what their terms are. Um, and that, that whole process of acceptance, uh, the college experience can be so fulfilling in a lot of ways, but it could also probably be a little daunting. You know, one um, that describes kind of your, your journey as well. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk about some advice you might have for students who start to realize that there are parts of their identity. It could be their sexual orientation, but could it be something else as well. How do they navigate that while in college? Where do they go to get support and how might they make sense of it all in a, in a somewhat short period of time, but uh, it could be longer than they expect. So that's a really good segue. Um, all right. So we've, we've set the stage now. We've talked about college being this place where you could meet new people, um, be exposed to different ideas, learn more about yourself, um, grow in a lot of different ways. I imagine there could be some skeptics on the other side that say, is there anything more you know, about college that you would say? What's one of the biggest misconceptions about what happens to students while they're enrolled in college? And this, this is something that speaks really to, to I think, uh, uh, my first generation brothers and sisters and colleagues, right? Um, attending college does not necessarily make you, it makes you an intellectual, but it does make you smarter than <laughs> your mom or your dad or all of your friends when you go back home, right? You just are more exposed to information in a different way. And I think that's one of the misconceptions that people have. I will go to college to be smart. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just intellectual now. Because I think that that puts people off and it sets mm -hmm. people apart, right? And so when you go back home for Thanksgiving after your first semester in college and you're spouting all this stuff and people looking at you like you're crazy because you're, you're talking to them like they're crazy, right? Yeah. And so I think, you know, use college as an opportunity to see how it exposes you to things. But knowledge has great power. And so bring that knowledge back home. Absolutely. Don't come back home and dumb yourself down, but come back home and understand how your knowledge can help enlighten, enlighten other people versus pushing them away. Mm -hmm. That's one misconception. The other misconception, I think, is that college is a, and, and this is really, really challenging in this generation. It started in my generation. I'm, in, I'm a uh, Gen Xer. That college is the portal to a job. And what I find now is that young college students, you can almost see them like building their resumes, right? They have it on their tag, on their email addresses, in their IG uh, account, right? 
that that this this litany of things that they're doing. And I often wonder, are they really immersing themselves in that experience? Or are you just trying to check a box because you think that's going to build your resume, mm -hmm. right? And I think if you do that, it absolutely makes you miss your complete college experience. The last thing is that who you were when you were three years old and your parents said, oh, my baby's going to be a doctor. My baby's going to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I had a student one time when I was an academic advisor who could not pass biology. And she, when we unpacked it, she kept taking it. She was a pre-med student. And when we unpacked it, it was simply because of that. When she was about three or four years old, someone had bought her this little, you know, those little plastic mm -hmm. medical kits. And from there, they were like, you're going to be a doctor. So she carried that her entire time. And so what we had, the process was, you know, why do you really want to be a doctor in the first place? And what we unpacked was she wanted to help people. And so we started talking about there's lots of ways you can help people. And so she ended up going into social work, graduating. I'm sure she's one of the best social workers in the country. But you don't have to come to college with any predispositions of who people think you are. Come to college and evolve into who you plan to be. Wow. Daryl, there's so much in there. But here's where all the, the decades of research and teaching and, and practitioner experiences come to light here. So something that you described a little bit uh, ago regarding students who come with the plan already, like they know exactly what they want to do for their career. I imagine the pressure that comes along with that to be productive, you know, to, to get X number of internships, to do X number of clubs and activities and things like that. What do you think about that in the context of their development? Because I think uh, this idea around productivity, achieve, 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 might push one to rush their development or not notice markers or milestones in their development. Um, do, do you think there's an intersection there? And if so, what might that be? I think this generation comes to college and there is such a high, they come to us with high levels of anxiety because they, they, they just have got to succeed. And, and, and that success, unfortunately, is often measured by sometimes your major, or, or a particular degree, or your grade point average. And so there's so much stress that is a part of their college journey that sometimes I fear they're just not enjoying themselves. Mm -hmm. um, they're just not coming to college uh, willing to make mistakes. That's what college is all about. College is all about mistakes. I had seven majors. <laughs> like, like every time I talk to somebody, I was like, oh, I, I like that. Oh, I think I want to go in PR. Somebody said, no, PR is hard. Oh, okay, I'm going to go in business. Oh, I got a DNE con. Oh, I can't do that, right? And I finally just decided on English because I, I had a really good English teacher, right? And, and at that time, my desire had been, you know, I was going to dread my hair. I was going to move into the village in New York. I wanted to write <laughs> for the boys, right? And then while I was in college in my senior year, I met my husband who this year, we were talking about this the other day, it'll be 27 years. Like we met in college. Oh, It'll wow. be 27 years that we're together. And so my plans changed. And so I would encourage um, people who are coming to college to, to have some flexibility, right? That you don't have all the answers and it's okay not to have all the answers and to come and understand that you can make mistakes and that your parents are still gonna love you, your friends are still gonna love you. And more importantly, you gotta love yourself, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think that would allow for a, a, um, a leveling of the anxiety um, yeah. that, that people are bringing to college now. Daryl, you've, you've touched on so much. And I really think that uh, you, you call them mistakes. I, I call them, uh, you know, just turns and twists in the road. I You, you might have had seven majors, but I know for a fact that I was in college at the time before excess hours became something so costly because I had a whole stretch of classes that I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, everything from... Caribbean religion and culture, creative writing, golf, racquetball, tennis, Spanish, creative writing. And this is just the ones that come off the top of my black psychology, that class I was talking about. <laughs> so I, I never went back to fail to ask them, do I have enough for a couple minors? And it was just, it was a whole series of exploration at the time. I was all over the place. And I don't even think any of my friends at the time knew I was taking these classes outside of my major because I just truly was trying to find my way. And I had enough, um, you know, this proactive nature to say, I got to figure this out. It worked out, you know, but I think your 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 points are ones well taken. I, I hear a lot of 
the narratives now about college being so expensive and get out as soon as you can and all that stuff. And I, I wonder if sometimes it comes at the expense of one's development and their identity. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And, it, and it's expensive. It's an expensive Very venture. Much. And so I think that adds to our students' uh, anxiety because you got to finish, right, mm -hmm. and get out and get to graduate school, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think there are some levels of just missing experiences that um, are, are, are sometimes not in, in, in some of our college students' journeys now. Yeah. And, I, and that worries me. So I had a follow-up, but I think this is a good time for us to take a break. Because when we come back, I'm going to put you in the Ask the Expert seat, and I'm going to ask you for some advice about how college students can manage and embrace their development. So we're going to go to the break, and when we come back, I got some really good questions for you. Awesome. Did you know that sleep is one of the biggest factors in how students can adjust to coursework and other parts of the college experience? That's right. And according to an article from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, the best way for college students to maximize their performance on final exams is to both study and get a good night of sleep. Some colleges offer resources that can help you develop good sleep habits. These can include sleep pods, which are devices in which you can partially enclose yourself to take a nap. Some colleges also have dedicated quiet spaces to give you a chance to relax. If you'd like to learn more about the resources your college has to help you address your sleep and other health and wellness needs, contact the Division of Student Affairs. Now you know. So welcome back. Daryl, are you ready for the Ask the Expert section of the show? Absolutely. I got the hat on. Yes. All right. So the, the first question I have uh, for us to discuss is that many college students are going to experience situations that could help them determine their views on certain topics. And one of those could be politics, could be a, a whole range of things. However, college also illuminates the challenge of trying to express your views in settings where others disagree. What advice do you have for students, uh, for them, as they learn about what's important to them and also how they can express their views in ways that are healthy um, as they do so? No, and I, and I think what we're finding, sadly, is that we, and we see this on a national level, right, uh, with this, this uh, presidential um, um, experience that we're having now, right, um, that we've become a culture that the, it disallows um, disagreements. Mm -hmm. And people feel that if, if you don't agree exactly with me, then you are wrong, right? Um, we, and this is perpetuated in this generation, and I'm including myself in this, in social media, right? You could just see somebody dogged out because they share a viewpoint and people are just, I hate you. And this is, you know, so I wrote something on LinkedIn one time and misspelled the word. And it was something very vulnerable and I was sharing something about Black Lives Matter and, how, how it had impacted my life. And this faculty member from some college who had, he had retired just dogged me out like, you misspelled a word and how can you do this? And, you know, and I think what we have to do is just allow for um, a space of difference and disagreement. And it's okay. And, and sometimes um, it's not about auguring the point, right? It's about just sharing your view and it's okay for somebody to have a completely different view from you. Uh, and that doesn't mean you're right and they're right or wrong. It's just a difference of opinion and it's okay. That's healthy dialogue. That's truly a democracy, right? We talk a lot about voting. We talk about it. Democracy is about a multitude of ideas and difference where we can collectively come together when it's necessary. So I would encourage people to not get so bent out of shape when someone doesn't share the viewpoint that you have. Sit back and listen to what they're saying, right? And it doesn't mean that they're trying to persuade you, but it just will inform you, right? Mm -hmm. And help you to be a better, I believe, uh, people that differ from me help me to be a better person. Yeah, it's, it's great advice. And I think it's, uh, it opens up the debate about the overall value of college. Some, some might say if you go to college and you expose yourself to too many different types of thought, it'll change you. In some ways, it should change you. It should help you affirm why you think the way that you think and what you might choose as your own views and uh, perspectives on things. So I totally agree. And thank you for that advice that um, 
that students who are in college right now should be open to having a conversation. I realize there is a continuum, you know, some, some who feel very, very strongly are very closed in it and can be almost aggressive and uh, inappropriate. I'm not suggesting that people throw themselves into those environments, but as long as there's a, you know, a healthy, safe space to do so, I, I 100% agree. Um, that's yeah, a, that's absolutely. I just don't think that you can enter into an intellectual body and not be changed. Mm-hmm. Right. I was, I was reading today, you know, as much as I've heard, about Ida B. Wells Barnett, right? And I, I just never really, really, really looked at the sister, right? I heard her name, I grew up listening to it. And so today I just kind of went on Wikipedia. I was, I was reading about her life. I'm on, and, I, and I ordered her biography off of amazon.com. Like this was a bad woman, right? And just to see her difference of opinion, her intellect was not accepted among among the black intellectuals of the day, because the, the black men of the day saw her as a woman and saw her stepping out of her place. Mm. White women saw her as being too black and she was doing all this work on lynching. And so, and so what I was um, uh, impressed about was even in the midst of all of this uh, difference and in, 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 in people putting her in boxes, her intellectual pursuit forced her ahead. And she didn't allow for those impressions to stop her from the work that she she would want to do. So when you get in an intellectual body, it's going to change you. It's going to make you think differently. And that and that's what you should want to do in college. Yeah, I agree. Inevitably, it's, it's going to happen. So I'm thinking about the students who maybe have immerse themselves in the college environment and they're trying to embrace all the things we talked about in the first half of the show. They're trying to be open to new things. They're trying to be open to new experiences. They're trying to accept these views that seem very counter to what they believe. They're going through this, this uh, awakening, so to speak, about who they are and all that stuff. And it still feels overwhelming to them. And I can imagine the first reaction might be one of retreat, which is that I need to go home or I need to go back to a spot that's familiar. I, I don't feel connected. Uh, I don't seem to be making connections with friends and people like that. What advice do you have for students who are still trying to find and figure out their college identity and get more comfortable and wait it out and actually give it the chance that we think it could be uh, for them to be positive? Yeah, you know, I, 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 for the very first time in my life, Amelia, have um, a wonderful therapist. And I wish now in hindsight that I had taken advantage of that in college because I, I knew what the counseling center was. I just never went in the counseling center. And I carry a lot of burden and frustration and anxiety um, that I probably could have just sat down and shared with a therapist and just, just kind of could have made some of the challenges that I faced in college a lot easier. For example, I was talking to my therapist in our last session and she said, um, you know, I hear a lot of should statements from you. And she said, you know, people that make such strong should statements typically are people who have rigidity in their value systems. She was like, it doesn't mean you're rigid. It just means you have a rigidity in your value system that, that there is a certain order that you see the world and you think it has to go specifically that way. And I was just about to ask her for an example. And then she said, you know, for example, you know, a parent who has children and the child leaves something in the middle of the floor and that just freaks them out, right? They just get really anxious about that because that whatever they left in the floor should be in another place. I literally had that experience <laughs> before my therapist says, my kids left something in the floor. I'm blacking out. I'm like, why is it in the floor? Go in your closet or whatever. And, I, and, and that was so enlightening to me. And what I'm doing, I actually started a journal. It's, it's called my should journal. And so I'm writing down all of the shouldness that I have in my life. And then I, I end it with a lesson. Like, what did I learn from that? And I, I just wish I had had that, I had taken the courage to do that in college. But I associated the counseling center with mental illness. And that's not always absolutely just what the counseling center is all about right? Mm -hmm. A counseling center does deal with students who have um, uh, suffered from mental um, challenges, but it also is for emotional wellness, right? And that's the piece that you're talking about, right? Is how do you balance yourself emotionally when you're in college? 
Because it's a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And particularly if you're paying for it on your own or you're a first-generation college student or you're a, a, a Latinx uh, student or an Asian student, right? Asian students come with a lot of, uh, and the term is called microaggressions, right? When people just say things that that just kind of minimize people. That's the easiest way to sound that out. You know, Asian students come to college and people just assume they smart mm -hmm. because they're Asian, right? And they assume, oh, you must be in math, right? And so just really having someone to talk that through that sometimes isn't just a friend, I think is very powerful and very important. Yeah. I think just elevating the importance of paying attention to your own, you know, just mental and emotional health, you know, in general, check, checking in, checking in on it and removing this idea that it's kind of on autopilot, but you have to give it some time and attention. We had an episode, uh, I think episode five, talking about college student mental health. And we touched on several of those things that you described. It's, it's excellent advice. And I don't know that it's always uh, something people lead with. It's when it's just, just, just deal with it. You'll be okay. You know, shake it off, you know, be fine. And when someone says, Hey, no, I'm actually feeling a little homesick because I don't feel like I fit in. And I think that that idea of being able to talk to someone is a, is a great one. Uh, so in the first half of the show, you touched on something I want to circle back to. I said I was going to circle back to it. You mentioned family and friends and what happens when you go to college and this misconception that's going to make you smarter and that you flex, so to speak, when you get back home or around your, or your friends. Yeah, you start, you start flexing. You start using your, your long vocabulary words and talking about this and that. And some of it is because I, I imagine some are proud they made it through a semester or a quarter. Some of it is because they're still trying to um, get used to this persona, this idea that they're in an intellectual environment. I, I get all of that. But for those who are still trying to figure out how to re-enter conversations, not that their family and friends are now strangers to them, but it's true. You know, I think trying to get back in that same environment uh, with those who might not necessarily be as familiar with what college involves. What advice do you have for students, especially those who maybe are not surrounded by as many family and friends who had the college experience? That's not a place of deficit from them, but just trying to navigate that translation to tell them more about what they're, they've been experiencing and bring family and loved ones in so they can actually share that development with them. What advice do you have? I would advise you to read uh, Nathaniel uh, McCall's book, Makes Me, I think it makes, makes Me Want to Holler, right? Because he really talks about how he, and there are lots of books out there, but he talks about how he left one community, goes to college, and has to re-enter back into that community. And that happens a lot for, for students, right? You are a student, you might be a white student from a rural environment, and then you go to college, and then you go back, and, 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 and what your family is discussing, you, you disagree with it, right? And I think what you don't want to do is hide your intellect by any stretch of the imagination, right? Definitely, you know, you, you, college is transformative and it will transform you and it should transform you. But when you go back home, you also don't want to, I think, jump on, you know, your mom and she's based in the Turkey and, <laughs> and you're like, mom, you shouldn't think this, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do this, right? And then um, intellect, in my opinion, this is my opinion, and this is, this is coming from a personal place as well. Intellect is never a weapon. If your intellect becomes a weapon, then it is destructive. Intellect is about true intellect and being truly smart is about being able to communicate with other people even if they don't always understand your viewpoint. And I think one of the greatest people in, in, in our um, century that did that was Dr. King. Mm -hmm. Dr. King was a highly intellectual man, right? And, and my mom talks about this. You could sit in his church and not know what he was talking about, but you felt, right, that, that you could understand what he was saying. That's true intellect. When you take your intellect and you try to demean people or you try to make them not feel good about themselves or you're trying to show you're smarter than, than, than someone else, and you'll know when you're doing it, right? You'll know. You, you'll know how your friends will respond and react, right? Because there'll be these awkward silences that happens, right? And so, you know, you just really want to want to surface and navigate that because, um Going to college for many people is still very much a privilege. And I think you have to, you have to understand that privilege and you have to uh, honor that privilege because not everyone in my neighborhood 
Uh, I, 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 golly, I went to the market the other day, uh, the, the Auburn market, and the guy behind the counter was, you know, cutting up and fixing, you know, whatever. My, we were getting ready for Thanksgiving. And he said, I remember you. He said, you lived off Simpson Road, didn't you? And I said, yeah, I did. Man, I did. And he said, um, your name is Daryl. And I said, oh, man, I couldn't remember his name. I'm bad with names, but I remembered <laughs> his face. And, you know, not demeaning his work because that's very important work. I mean, he's doing something I can't do. I can't cut up oxtails, right? I can't use that saw, yeah. right? But but there before the grace of God, right, um, um, could have been me, right? I have friends who uh, ended up in prison, uh, just got caught up in the judicial system. I had friends who ended up on drugs, right? And so treat your new college experience as the privilege that, that it really is. And I think that will keep you humble. Daryl, there's so much in what you just said. And it actually sparks a, uh, a memory for me. This is a childhood memory. So I guess I'm good, vulnerable, you know, and, and to share a personal story. Um, so you have twins, two adorable uh, boys. And I'm a twin. So I have a twin sister. And when we were growing up in an elementary school, you know, every so often they test you to see if you uh, might be at an advanced level of reading or math or something like that. And my, t- my sister tested into, I guess I'm telling her business now too, <laughs> but um, it was, it's good news. She tested into the gifted uh, you know, class. And so once per week, she would go on a bus to a different school. And so for the whole day, she got to learn foreign languages and a whole bunch of different things. And so when she would come back and we would have time before bed and we would talk, she could have easily come back and said, I know this and you don't know that. But she made it a point to open up all of her books. She taught me all the words she was learning. And I felt like I was, you know, through her picking up on all the things. And I remember at first having hurt feelings, like why wasn't I selected to be in that class? But then I, after that, got excited that she went there because she would come back and tell me all the stuff. And I think about that relay of what it means to be someone in college and your family and loved ones really are excited for you, but they want you to come back and share in a way that doesn't exclude them, but instead lets them in. So it, it's not a smooth analogy to what you described, but I can, I can see myself in that and see that the result of that is, is actually really good. At some point, future future seasons, we're going to talk about college uh, graduate school because, uh, Daryl, I'm sure with us having these these doctorate degrees, it gets worse when you get a master's degree and a Ph.D. and an E.D.D. and a J.D. and all that, an M.D. I almost got divorced behind that because I was smarter <laughs> than my husband. <laughs> You're talking about this, all this stuff all the time. And he you get back, I'm like, you don't know this? Like, what's wrong with you? You know? <laughs> You know, I think you make a really great point, though, uh, and a very connected point. Like, the best college experience is to allow people to see it through your eyes, mm-hmm. right? Take your take your little sister and little brother. Take your parents uh, to a to a step show. Take them on college. Let them feel um, um, that experience with you, because oftentimes there is some level of sacrifice that is being made for you to be in that place and never forget that, right? I have students uh, and have run into students whose mothers and fathers are working two and three jobs, whose sisters are paying it back, right? They, they, They got through college and they're helping you pay for college. And so there's some level of sacrifice that's being made and you just can't, you just can't ever forget that. Yeah. So, Daryl, you know, I think that I would love to talk to you for longer, but I, what I've got to do is, is wrap this up with the same closing question. But before I do, I just want to say thank you again for all the gems that you dropped about the various types of development that college students would experience. And I hope that those listening to this will be enticed to embrace all that it has to offer and not shy away from this. College is a really special time in one's life. And I know that it looks different on every campus, it looks different for every student, but it's special, special enough for us to sit down and start talking for, you know, this amount of time about uh, what makes it so much fun and so enlightening and intellectual and all that stuff so all right so in the beginning we talked about you starting at georgia state and what led you there imagine that in six months you get a chance to put together a backpack for somebody who's going to be starting college and you want to put something in it that's really going to help them what's something that you would put in that backpack and why oh man that's a great question wow that's a great question um Literally, right, I would, of course, you know, put, the, put, put, put something that's your favorite 
thing in the back, right? You know, like my, you know, I would probably take something. I'm, I'm really big about like family history and something. So I, I would take something that was personal to me, you know, something that my grandmother had left me, my big mama had left me. She was the one that was, was my jewel. But in that bag, I would put um, um, humility. Um, I would put um, pride in that bag because you, you've made it this far. You made it to college, right? Um, I would put compassion in that bag uh, because you're going to meet people who are going to be different from you. Uh, sometimes they're going to have more than you. Sometimes they're going to have less. Uh, I would put understanding in that bag because you're going to have to unpack a lot about yourself, right? And a lot about other people. Uh, I would put a whole healthy dose, double dose of faith because you don't know how much you might have to stand in a financial aid line or a registrar's line or talk to a professor who just totally blows you completely off, right? And so I think having a level of faithfulness that you're going to accomplish the goal uh, is important. And the last thing I would put in there is um, figuratively, I would put a piece of paper with, that says diploma and the year. Mm. And I would just keep it in that bag because whether you accomplish it that year or the year after or the year after that, whether you change schools, whether you decide four-year college isn't for me, I'm going to go to a two-year school, or I'm going to trade school, you're going you're gonna to finish, right, whatever you determine. And if you don't, you know, finish at that one particular school, it's okay. Just keep that diploma in mind um, because that diploma looks different in many different ways, right, just, just outside even institutions. So I would, I would do that. Daryl, I don't know why you were pausing as though you didn't know what to put in the backpack. I want that backpack. You know, I say this after everybody's oh, no, answer. I, I wish want, I had the backpack when I was Every time I ask the question, I want the backpack. And I'm thinking about all these things you listed in pride and compassion and faith and humility. And I imagine if somebody were starting college and they had a backpack along with a, a printed piece of paper with their name and, the, and a year on it, they would feel pretty good about all that college is going to bring them, including opportunities to develop in a lot of different ways. And I honestly think uh, this was, I'm so glad we did this. I think the, there were so many things that you said, uh, but I feel like if one had a backpack with all those things in it, they would be able to do what you described in the beginning, which was what I wrote down, which was to accept who you are on your your own terms and you need all those things in order to develop um in the ways that you were meant to be and i think that college can still be transformational so daryl i'm excited for people to hear this and i thank you so I much wait. i can't wait thank you so much for asking me that this has been phenomenal this has this been a great awesome. journey thank you yeah so if people want to uh follow your work uh if it's, if it's all right with you i'll put a link to maybe your um your profile at spellman or and so maybe some oh, of your, your publishing my ig yeah definitely okay. follow me on instagram <laughs> okay i'll make sure i put that in the in the show notes and i'll link that to the um to the book you mentioned also are there other resources and, and uh books and things that you would suggest there's a book uh by christian uh, uh Kristen wren that is it talks about i can't think of the name right now but it talks about um uh, student, uh, biracial students in college. I think that's really fascinating because we, you know, we often think of biracial, we think in terms of, you know, definitely in terms of race, that's what biracial stands for, but we all come with dualities in our identities. And I think that's really important. And then there is another book that is called um, The Universe Has Your Back by uh, Gabriel Bernstein, I think is her last name. And it is, uh, and the premise of the book is just that, that the universe will correct itself, right? And that no matter what you go, what you endure, the universe just has a wonderful way of redirecting and connecting itself back to where you need it to be. And so, uh, yeah, definitely the universe has your back is just a phenomenal book. All right. I'm glad I asked this. So I will put links to all those resources and your handle on IG in the show notes. Daryl, thank you again for joining me. This was fantastic. This was great. Okay. Thank you. It's hot dog night in my house. So we're going to have some hot dog and french fries. <laughs> it's time to ask Dr. P. Ask Dr. P. Ask Dr. P. Get the essence that you need.
Today's question is from Amanda in New York. Amanda writes, Dear Dr. P, what's the difference between the different types of degrees other than the amount of years you have to go to school to get them? Amanda, this is a great question. And before I give you two main differences, I'll give you three things to keep in mind. The first is that most degrees, regardless of the focus, have a certain set of classes that nearly every student will need to take. And these are called general education courses. For example, these classes are in areas that build common skill sets, such as writing and analytical skills, which might include math. The second is that there is usually an order in which most people earn degrees. When you're starting college and working on your first degree, you are typically considered as an undergraduate student. After you complete your first four-year degree, which is also known as a bachelor's degree, you can then work toward a graduate degree. The third thing to keep in mind is that each college in the United States determines which degrees they will offer, and not all colleges offer the same degree programs. Each college in the country also decides the classes that students will need to take to earn their degree. So, keeping these things in mind, there are two main differences when it comes to types of four-year degrees. The first is the courses that are required to complete the degree. In this case, I'm referring to the courses that you take after the general education classes. For example, if you're thinking about pursuing a degree in engineering, you'll likely be required to take classes that are different from someone who is interested in accounting. The second difference is related to any out-of-classroom requirements. For example, some degrees might require you to complete an internship or other option to get practical experience before you graduate. So Amanda, I'll wrap up this answer with some advice, which is that you focus on not just the degree you're interested in, but also the types of skills you'd like to gain and the types of projects you'd like to do. If you also make plans to talk with an academic advisor, I think you'll find that there could be multiple degree paths that can help you reach your desired goal. The good news is that there are many paths that lead to a degree, so you have several options. Thanks again for a great question. If you're listening to this show and you have a question about college, you can write me at amelia at speakingofcollege.com and I'd be glad to answer and maybe feature your question on a future episode. For now, that brings this episode to a close. As you think about the many ways in which college will expose you to new things, I hope this conversation will help you embrace your development and learn as much as you can about yourself. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing to the show and I'll be back with you in Speaking of College again soon. In the meantime, I hope you have an inspiring day.